Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us now, that you would satisfy our deepest longings, that we would know that you are our God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When was the last time that you were really thirsty? Perhaps you were caught up in your work, you were out in the fields on a hot day and suddenly realised that you hadn't had any water for quite some time. Maybe uh, it was after playing sport, uh, maybe football on a Thursday evening and you run about like a mad thing for an hour, and then you think, here, this isn't right, I need a drink urgently. But you don't have to be outside to be thirsty. Perhaps you were slaving over a bubbling pot of something nice, or a hot oven, or even a barbecue, and you were feeling a little warm, a little dry. Or perhaps you were in a a nursing home or a hospital. They always seem to have the heat really high in, in those places and you always need a wee drink of something. When were you last thirsty? And you know, even talking about thirst kind of makes my throat a wee bit dry. But thankfully Francis, as ever, has a little glass of water for me. So thank you for that. In our psalm today, and it might be good if you turn back uh, to look at Psalm 63. The reason for David's thirst seems very obvious. In the, the title, the little tiny capital letters at the head of the psalm, it tells us that it's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He's in the desert. He's in the wilderness, having fled from Absalom, his rebellious son. In the desert, there are lots of rocks and lots of sand, but not much else. There are no iced water dispensers. There are no bottles of Evian or Ballygown or River Rock or whichever you prefer. There are no rivers or streams. Just heat and rock and sand. But did you notice that David isn't thirsting for water? He is thirsty, but it's not for water. Look at verse 1 with me. David says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It's not the lack of water that is bothering David. It is the lack of God. David's desire is for God. Did you catch the intensity of those words? Earnestly I seek you. This isn't just 
Uh, you know the way whenever um, something's lost and uh, you tell your son or daughter to go and look for it in their bedroom and they just kind of go, no, I don't see it. mustn't be there. This is an earnest seeking. He thirsts, he faints for you, for God. His physical surroundings reflect his spiritual state. He is spiritually thirsty. David's desire is for God. And all the more so because he remembers what he has lost. You see, whenever David was king in Jerusalem, the sanctuary was right beside him. David was, uh, if you imagine, number one Temple Street. He was right beside the tabernacle. He could call in uh, and be with God at any time. And look, he remembers in verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. He's not there anymore. He's out in the wilderness. He remembers his special times of worship. And yet even now he holds on to what he knows about God. Verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. David desires God, the God of steadfast love, the God who deserves our prayer, our praise. David is open about his desperate desire for God, that desperate longing for God. And when we read those opening words, we might think, you know, he's a wee bit intense there. He's a wee bit over-enthusiastic. You see, this isn't just duty. This isn't something that he feels he has to do. This is intense longing, a passionate desire for God, to be with God, to know God. Would that describe you today? Would these words be your words? When we gather, are we here because we're thirsty for God, because we're desperate to meet with him and to hear from him? Perhaps you feel like you're in a desert right now. Things just aren't going right at all. You feel far away from God. You miss that intimacy that you once had. You desperately want him. Do what David does as he cries out to him. You see, a wee baby that doesn't hold back whenever she's hungry. She instinctively cries out to be fed. She instinctively cries out for her mum. So cry out to him, say to God, you are my God. Desperately desire him as you look to him and see his power and his glory. 
Because as David shows us, when we earnestly seek for God, we are found by him. When we desire God, he gives us the desires of our hearts. And we see that in this one long sentence from verses 5 through to verse 7. Let's take it in bits as we see that David delights in God. Now anyone who was at the barbecue on Friday night can relate to verse 5. Look at it with me. After the steak and burgers and sausages and all the rest and the desserts as well, we were all well satisfied. We couldn't have eaten any more. Well, I couldn't anyway. We were full up. And maybe just a little too full for the Cayley dancing. But that's a picture of the satisfaction that David feels in his soul. You see, he's not saying, you know, I'm full up because I've had a good dinner. He says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And his mouth will praise God with joyful lips. So when will this soul satisfaction be? When will he praise God with singing? He's not in church. He's not with friends. He's actually on his own in the middle of the night. One of my minister mentors called this the hospital psalm because of verse 6. You see, David will be satisfied and singing, verse 6, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. A couple of weeks ago, you might remember that we heard about David's great night's sleep in in Psalm uh, 3, because God was his shield. Well, here in this psalm, David isn't sleeping just as well as he did that night. He's seeing every hour pass. He's lying on his bed, but he doesn't have a mobile phone on the bedside table to tell him what time it is and how slowly the the minutes are passing. There isn't an alarm clock with a a luminous display that lights up the bedroom that he can follow the time. But there are soldiers changing the guard as one watch takes over from the last. Every few hours, David hears the soldiers relieve their comrades and he knows time is passing. But do you see what he does when he lies on his bed and he can't sleep? He remembers God. He meditates on God. He's thinking about God. He's reflecting on who God is and what God has done. And as he thinks about God, as he cries out to God, he is satisfied and he sings because of verse 7. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. 
David looks back. He remembers what God has done for him. He thinks about how God has been his help. The times God has delivered him. How God protected David against lions and bears and Goliaths. How God kept him safe when fighting enemies. How God had forgiven him when he had gone astray. And he says, you have been my help. When you're going through the desert. When you're wandering in the wilderness. When you're feeling far from God. Looking back at God's faithfulness in the past helps us to trust him for the present and also the future. Being surrounded by his wings, knowing that God is protecting us, causes us to sing for joy. I wonder have you known that satisfaction and that joy as you remember the Lord, as you look back over your life and see how God has been with you. David's delight is crowned in verse 8. Just like a, a child crossing the road with their mum or their dad, it's one thing for the child to hold their parents' hand, but far better for the parent to hold their hand. You see David says my soul clings to you. It's a a desperate holding, a a clinging, a a fear of letting go. But you know as we hold on to God we find that he is holding on to us. My soul clings to you Your right hand upholds me. In those times when you feel that all is lost. In those times when you think that you're letting go of God and struggling to cope. Your right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me to bring me through situations that other people looking on say, how could you possibly get through that? How could you possibly cope? Your right hand upholds me. God holds us up. And that leads to the contrast of the last verses. You see, God is not only David's desire and David's delight. He is also David's defense. Follow from verse 8. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. It's a bit like getting into a lift and there's an attendant and they ask you up or down David says that God's people are upheld 
but that God's enemies go down. They're given over to the power of the sword. They're uh, a portion for jackals. So that even the jackals are satisfied with God's provision. This isn't David expressing a personal hatred of his enemies. You see, those who are against David are rebelling against God's king, God's anointed one. And to attack God's anointed one is to attack God and his rule and his authority. And so God will act justly for truth against every false claim, against every lie. In defending the truth, God defends David, his king. Verse 11, the mouths of liars will be stopped. The king will rejoice and all who swear by him will also exult and praise. David wrote this psalm in the wilderness, in the desert place. And just as he spent time there, so David's greater son, King Jesus, spent time in the wilderness as well. He had an enemy who was out to destroy him. His battle was with the Satan, the accuser, the father of lies. And the battles he faced, the temptations he suffered, To be satisfied by turning stones into bread. To demand protection by jumping off the temple. To bow down and worship the devil and bypass the cross. Jesus answered each one of those temptations with scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. But each one has an answer In this psalm as well. David says you are at my desire. By earnestly seeking God. To worship him alone. David says you are my delight. As we find satisfaction in God alone. David says, you are my defense, knowing that God upholds his people and gives over the liar. In the desert place, at the end of those 40 days, Jesus triumphed over the father of lies. That triumph was completed in the cross And the resurrection. The enemy of the king is overthrown. And we can share in that victory. And look forward to those promises in Isaiah. That the desert place. Will become a fruitful forest. That the barren places will spring into life. 
that we will know God's presence forever. You might not be in that desert place today. Perhaps things are going well for you and you you wonder why would you look at something like this? Why would you need to think about desert places and wildernesses? Why would you need to think about earnestly seeking after God? Because you think you have a great relationship with God. Store up this word in your heart. You never know when you might need it. You never know when you might end up in that desert place yourself. It's better to be prepared in advance for when the time comes. For perhaps you are feeling thirsty today. Perhaps you are in that desert place. Say to him, God, you are my God. And find in him your desire, your delight, and your defense. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that you hear and answer our requests. We thank you that those who seek you will find you. That you satisfy our deepest longings. Help us, Father, today. And in this week, to acknowledge our need of you, to earnestly seek you, and to find in you our all in all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.